Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. This, uh, this church is, uh, is closing out a season today, isn't it? And, uh, you know, sometimes the transition between seasons, uh, it kind of can fly under the radar a little bit, can't it? Sometimes, uh, sometimes in, a, in a transitionary period, you don't recognize the season that you're in until you're already in it. And you have been in it, in fact, for, uh, for some time. This usually happens, I find, with seasons of preparation. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe just saying yes to be polite. <laughs> it usually happens with seasons of preparation. It's difficult to recognize the season of preparation until you've left it. Uh, and, uh, and I think, in fact, uh, for three years, uh, the Apostle Peter was being prepared uh, to, lead the, uh, to lead the church after Jesus had, um, had, 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 had uh, gone up to be with the Father. But I don't think that he knew that he was in this season of preparation until after the fact. Until after the fact. In fact, there's a conversation in Matthew 16 uh, where Peter's talking to Jesus. And, uh, and, and uh, Jesus says, hey, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Messiah. You're, uh, you're, you're the Lord. And Jesus says, you're very right. Uh, and you are Peter. And on this rock, on this, on this rock of understanding of the truth of who I am, I will build my church. And I don't think it was until this moment that Peter really understood, uh, or the penny started to drop even, uh, for uh, that he was in fact in a season of preparation. But I don't think that it fully dropped until we read in Acts 2, you know, uh, in the day of Pentecost, when the, when the tongues of fire come down. And, uh, and the Bible says that Peter, uh, he stands up amongst the eleven and he lifts his voice. And I think, I think at this point, this is the point where Peter really understood the significance of the last three years. The season of, uh, of preparation. Does that, does that sound okay? Yeah? I don't think he was able to recognize the season of preparation at the time because it's difficult. It's difficult to do that. Other times, however, there is a significant shift in season, and it's very obvious. It's very obvious when there's a shift in season, and, uh, and when Jesus uh, took on the cross, he went to the cross and he was crucified, there was a significant and obvious shift in season. And, uh, and likewise, uh, when, the, when Jesus uh, went up to be, with, uh, to be with the Father and he sent down the Holy Spirit, there was a significant shift in season. One that says, now the church is empowered to go about and do the mission it was called to do. A significant shift in season. And it's the same for us. There are significant and obvious shifts in season uh, when you get married, for example, uh, or when you move house or move to a different area, uh, or if, uh, if you have kids or whatever else it might be. Obvious shifts in season. Obvious shifts in, uh, in season. And, uh, and in this church, there's a shift in season that's pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. No one's going to wake up uh, in a few months' time and be like, hold on, did the banners change? Have we shifted season? That's not going to happen. It's very, very obvious. And, uh, and we like obvious, don't we? Obvious is good, uh, it's, uh, it's decisive, it's obvious, and because uh, we, can, we can plan around, can plan around that, can plan around, and we like it because we like making plans, I do anyway. I like making plans, uh, it's, uh, it's obvious. And it'd be, wouldn't it be good if all seasons were like that? If you knew, if you knew when all seasons were going to come, when there was going to be a significant shift in your life, when there was going to be a significant change, wouldn't it be good if there was like a heads-up display? And it just said, hey, you know, 500 yards, new season coming, get ready. 
That'd be good. It doesn't always happen like that, though, particularly with these pesky seasons of preparation. God's been talking to me a lot about preparation recently. And in fact, I've been talking a lot to God about preparation recently. Uh, And so I thought I'd speak this morning about uh, some of the things that God has been speaking to me about. Is that all right? Yeah? Is that okay? Because I think it's a word from the Lord for this church uh, in two ways. Firstly, as, uh, as a body of people, as a collected body of people, uh, the, uh, the Bible uses the word ecclesia, uh, as a church, but also as individuals. For our individual lives, I believe, uh, I believe that God has, has a word for us. And so the title of this message is this, recognizing the season of preparation. Recognizing the season of preparation. And the question really is, how do we recognize the season of preparation? How do we recognize it? Now, the main focus of, uh, of where we're spending our time today is going to be in the New Testament, uh, because in all this preparation in launching this, uh, this new church uh, that we're on with, uh, and there is lots to prepare. Uh, absolutely, there's lots to prepare. Uh, but I found myself asking God, Lord, how do I prepare for this? How, how do I prepare for this? Not just, not just sort of practically, but, you know, spiritually and mentally and emotionally. How, how, what do I do? What do I do? How do I prepare for this? What do I do uh, with this? And, uh, and I felt God say two things. The first thing I'll share with you now and the second thing I might share with you later. Uh, I felt God say, I've shown you what preparation looks like. I've shown you what preparation uh, looks like. You see, before Jesus started his public ministry at the age of 30, there was a season of preparation, wasn't there? There was a season of preparation, and so I've been scouring and studying uh, the first few chapters of the Gospels uh, before Jesus sort of starts his public ministry to glean wisdom from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to find out how he did it, because <laughs> I thought that would be a good example. And, uh, and so that, that's where I've been, and so that's where we're going to spend, uh, spend most time this morning. There isn't a lot there, but what there is there is gold, so get ready for that, get your notebooks out. Uh, But before that, I'd like to begin with a scripture that I came across while I was preparing this message this morning, and it's from the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus isn't usually well known for being sort of a book of hope and inspiration and uh, and things like that. Uh, but there's there's a there's a verse uh, there's a verse here, and really this has become the linchpin that holds everything together, that holds everything together. It's found in Leviticus 26, verse 3 to 10, and it says this: If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops. And the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. You will be eating last year's harvest when you will have to make room for the new. God is, uh, God is describing to Moses, he's, uh, he's speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai when he's giving out the, uh, the law, and, uh, and, and he's describing to Moses where he's so desperate to lead his people. He's so desperate to lead his people into this land, this place of plenty, this place of yield, this place of growth, this place of safety, this place of peace, uh, this place of, uh, uh, of victory. Uh, this is where, uh, where God intends uh, to lead his people. But these blessings that God is speaking over his people are sandwiched by two things. By two things. It's a blessing sandwich. Everyone say blessing sandwich. Blessing sandwich. It's a blessing sandwich. There, 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 there's two things. 
The first thing God says is this, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. Now he's talking here about the law. He's talking about the law of Moses, the law that he's giving to Moses right now, in fact. Uh, and, uh, and he's saying, hey, uh, uh, if, you, if you have obedience to the law, this is what I'm going to do for you. Now who's glad in this place this morning that we're not under the law? Yeah? So good. That's his grace that we sang about this morning. Uh, we're not under the law. The law of Moses is fulfilled uh, in Jesus Christ, and, and we, we inherit the righteousness that comes with that by our faith in him. Remember that? We spoke about that. Jehovah. Come on now. <laughs> Although she is the pastor, so you'd kind of expect that. <laughs> the Lord is my righteousness. Absolutely. Um, so, so our obedience is, fil- is fulfilled by our faith in Christ. And so that's, that's, that's good, that's, uh, that's, that's okay. Now there's still a spirit of obedience to the law because our faith in Christ uh, 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 creates obedience. Does that, does that make sense? But we're not under the law direct because he's fulfilled it on our behalf, thank the Lord. But the second part of the blessing sandwich is this. God says, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. God, God's people must prepare for what is coming. There must be a, an act of preparation, and this preparation isn't passive. There are things for God's people to do. See, God says that, he, uh, that, that God's people must move out the old harvest. God's not going to do that for them. They will need to move out the old uh, harvest to make room for what is coming, to make room for what is coming, because preparation is an active process. Preparation is an active process. We can't wait around and expect uh, things to happen without our preparation, can we? A friend of ours in the church uh, recently uh, went for a job interview. She got the job. Uh, she was offered the job anyway, which is absolutely awesome. And, uh, and b- before, she w- before she had this interview, she came around to, uh, to our house and, uh, and she, wanted to, uh, she just wanted to go over a presentation, just, you know, uh, just share it with, with, with somebody else, just to get a, another perspective. You know? And so she went through this presentation and it was awesome. It was awesome. There's so much preparation, so much research, so much time and effort put into this presentation that she was going to give. Uh, I wanted to employ her then and there. I don't know what to do. But she was prepared, and, uh, and, and, it, and it was awesome. And so she got the job, but how many of us know that the job wasn't one in the, in, uh, in the interview? It was one in the preparation. It was one in the preparation and the dedication and everything uh, that, she, uh, that she put into that. You know, we've sung some songs this morning, haven't we? Some great songs led by an awesome worship team, but there was preparation. There was preparation involved, firstly individually, these guys learning their instruments, learning their craft, and then coming together on a Thursday to prepare. Uh, They didn't just rock up at half past ten, plug in. That's not what happened. There was preparation. This message that I'm preaching right now, there was preparation. I know know it 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 just feels like it's just coming straight out of my heart. I just got up here and just sort of speaking directly from the Lord. Uh, but that's not what happened. There is preparation. There is significant preparation that goes in. And I know any time anyone gets up on this platform to preach the word of the Lord, there is significant preparation. Which made me think this morning, uh, not this morning, but this week when I was preparing. I know there's this preparation that goes into preparing the word of the Lord. I wonder how much preparation goes into receiving the word of the Lord. How many of us this morning, before we came to church, prayed and asked God that he would speak to us this morning through his word? Holly did. (laughs) We need to be prepared to receive the word, don't we? 
as well. We need to prepare our own hearts. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just getting on it, everybody. This is me as well. I go to, uh, I go to Excel Men's Conference every year, and uh, and I sit down in my seat as close to the front and centre as I can, and uh, and I'm like, go on then, say something good. Better do, pay pay for this, entertain me. That's not a prepared heart, is it? It's not a prepared heart. Uh, we need to prepare everything, everything that we experience, everything that we do, uh, whether it's an interview, whether it's, a, 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 I don't know, a competition or a presentation or something, uh, we prepare. And so why would we not prepare to hear from the Lord? Just an interesting side point, I thought, this morning. It challenged me anyway. Next time I go to Excel, someone remind me in November. <laughs> Dom, are you going to Excel with a prepared heart or are you going to be entertained? And I'll be like, shush you. <laughs> so this morning, as we're dedicating Addison to God, Philip and Sarah are engaging in preparation, aren't they? They're engaging in preparation. See, we don't know Addison's full path. We don't know what it is that she's uh, going to do, where God wants to take her. But Addison is in a season of preparation. Uh, and, uh, and we, uh, their church family, along with Phil and Sarah, are engaging in this season of preparation uh, for Addison. And so I wonder if before we move on, uh, we can all agree that preparation is good. Preparation is key. uh, And in fact, I would suggest that preparation uh, is required in order to fully experience what God has for us. Because that is what we read in the Bible. And this, this preparation, this is active. It's active stuff. There's stuff to do. I want to be prepared for what God wants to do. I want to be prepared to receive. I want to be prepared to receive his instruction. I want to be prepared to receive his word. I want to be prepared to receive his blessing. I want to be prepared to receive. And so, uh, so being prepared means doing something. And so what did Jesus do to prepare? What did Jesus do to prepare for his ministry? Now, there are various different scenes uh, that, we can, that we can see in the Gospels uh, where we can observe Jesus preparing for his ministry before he starts it. And I've just seen the time and it's getting on. And so uh, we're not, we're not going to look at, at them, uh, really. But, but here's the thing. Jesus was in the temple in Luke 2. Uh, and he was, uh, he was reading and he was learning uh, from, the, uh, from, the, from the teachers uh, there. Uh, Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, and that was to fulfill, uh, to fill, fulfill the prophecies and to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, and then uh, in Luke 6, Jesus prays before he chooses his disciples. Uh, he prays because he includes the Father uh, in the decision about who to surround himself with. That's a whole sermon right there. <laughs> but, uh, but, but we don't have much time because uh, it's getting on. Uh, but the, the, uh, the scene that I want to focus on in particular this morning, if this is okay, uh, is this Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus in the wilderness. Because this is the one that really got me uh, as I was preparing <laughs> this message. In Luke 4, uh, chapter, no, verse 1 to 13, we read this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to be bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. 
Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It is said, do not put your Lord, uh, the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus was in the wilderness uh, for, uh, for 40 days before he really began his public ministry. And he was tempted by the devil, by his enemy, three times. Three times. And so the question is why? The question is why? And, uh, and, and there's, there's a whole load that we can pull out of this. So much stuff in this. It's unbelievable how much stuff there is in this. Uh, but uh, I've just got a few things if, uh, that I'd like to share with you uh, that, uh, that occurred to me. Here we go. The first thing, we see the devil tempt Jesus to eat, and Jesus refuses. Now, there is a parallel here to the first sin in the Garden of Eden, uh, when Adam uh, and Eve were tempted to eat from the tree uh, of, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil uh, by the devil, and they, uh, they gave in to that temptation. But here we see that Jesus resists uh, the temptation to eat, and there we see here a symbolic correction of the first sin in Jesus. Wow. The second thing we see Jesus, uh, that, uh, Jesus tempted by, uh, by the devil was to worship him in exchange for power. And again, Jesus refuses. And this is throwbacks to the times in the Old Testament where God's people turn away from God repeatedly, repeatedly uh, worshipping false gods uh, all throughout the, uh, the biblical narrative. But again, here we see Jesus refuses. Jesus refuses. And so once again, there is correction of Israel's sin. Uh, and then finally, we see the devil tempt Jesus to call into question the sovereignty and authority of God. And again, we see this played out uh, throughout the biblical narrative, all throughout uh, his the history of God's people, constantly uh, questioning the sovereignty and authority of God. But in this case, once again, Jesus resists. Jesus resists. And so once again, there is a symbolic correction of previous sin. And I thought this was awesome. I thought this was absolutely awesome. Jesus resists the temptation that have been the downfall of humanity. And he did so while he was human. He did so while he was human. That's awesome, isn't it? So good. You know, I'm not sure that Jesus would have been looking forward to this encounter very much. I'm pretty sure that as God, he would have known that it was coming. Uh, so I don't think it would really have been much of a surprise to him. But Jesus watched from heaven as this guy deceived his creation for generations. And, uh, and he saw it all. And so I don't think it would have been high on his list of favorite things to do. To encounter this enemy in the wilderness. But it's Jesus' destiny to resist and to ultimately defeat this enemy. And so Jesus wasn't able to run away because it was what he was put there to do. This is just round one between Jesus and the devil. <laughs> uh, round two is yet to come, and uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, but uh, but this, is, this is round one. Um, but he can't run away from round one because it's part of his preparation. It's part of his preparation. You know, I find that a lot of the time we run away from the things um, that, that we face that God wants to uh, lead us through in order to lead us to our destiny, you know? 
I feel like I feel like it's easier to 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 walk away uh, to to walk away from things uh, that, uh, that that we face because it's easier. But actually, uh, actually, we need to uh, we need to confront uh, these things, uh, and uh, and it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and it's difficult and it's tricky, but God has in mind for us to defeat it. I don't know, and I was I was thinking about this. You know what 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 is what is my enemy in the wilderness? What is my enemy in the wilderness that I'm confronting? And I don't know what this is for you. It could be uh, I don't know. It could be addiction. Could be uh, low self worth, relationship breakdown, some sin in your life that God's put His finger on that He that He has for you to defeat. It's not comfortable to confront the situation head on, but it's part of the preparation. It's part of the preparation. And do you want to know some good news? Yes, please. Yes, please. See, regardless of what is standing in front of you, regardless of, uh, of what it is that you face, whatever uh, is your enemy in the wilderness, regardless of what is happening, uh, it's, uh, it's unlikely that you're going to defeat it in the first encounter. It's unlikely that you're going to defeat it in the first encounter. Now, I don't want to. I don't want that to sound like a teardown or even permission to continue to to, to go against God's will. Uh, but Jesus encountered the enemy in the wilderness. He didn't defeat him then and there. He didn't defeat him then and there. But he didn't run away either. He showed the enemy in the wilderness where the authority and the power was. The defeat will come later. But this was part of the preparation. This was part of the preparation. Now, here's the thing. In Luke 4, when Jesus encounters the enemy in the wilderness, the enemy tries to tempt Jesus uh, in, in various ways. And, uh, and Jesus had a response every time, didn't he? Jesus had a, a response, something that, that he could go back with. And the response that Jesus had every time was a response from Scripture. It was a response straight from Scripture because Jesus stands on the word of God, the Scripture, in order to overcome his enemy. Probably want to write that down. That's a whole sermon again. I told you, there's sermons within sermons here this morning in this place. Uh, but, uh, but he already knew the Scripture well enough to defend himself against the enemy. He already knew, and so he was already prepared. Jesus said, it is written because he knew what was written, because he was already prepared. And so as I was preparing this message, I was asking God, Lord, this, look, this, this time that Jesus spent in the wilderness, this, this time that he spent in the wilderness confronting the enemy, was this a time of preparation for his ministry? Or was this a time of action because he already looked pretty prepared uh, to me to face the enemy? What is this? What, what, how do we label this season? What do we label this season as? And, you know, I felt God say, it's both. It's both. It's both. This is how it pans out. Jesus confronts the enemy in, in Luke 6. Have we got the timeline? I know you can't really read it because it's, uh, it's quite small. But Jesus confronts the enemy in, uh, in Luke 6. And, uh, and he confronts the enemy in the wilderness. And he's, and he's already prepared. Uh, this, this, though, is preparation for Jesus' ultimate defeat of the enemy later on. 
isn't it, of the cross and the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. His time in the, in the, in the wilderness is preparation for his, uh, for his later uh, defeat of the enemy. But his time in the wilderness was preceded by the preparation uh, that he spent, the preparation time that he had uh, in Luke 2, when we're reading that Jesus spent time in the temple. Uh, can we get that, that? Have we not got it? It's crashed. Great. Great. Still a vision offering for a new computer. Uh, so, uh, so he had already been prepared uh, when he spent time with his uh, with the teachers uh, in the temple, learning the scriptures. He was already being prepared. But also, the time that Jesus defeats the enemy at the cross uh, with the death, burial, and resurrection. This isn't even the end goal. This still is preparation, a season of preparation for the time that we read about in Revelation where Jesus rules the new heaven and the new earth. Every season that we read, every part of Jesus' life and ministry that we see, everything is a season of preparation. Everything is a season of preparation. And so the question that we began with this morning was, how do we recognize the season of preparation? And I'd say it's pretty easy because we're always in a season of preparation. We are always in a season of preparation. You know, I said, uh, I said that God said two things to me as I was preparing this message. The first, uh, the first is that he'd already showed, uh, showed us what preparation looks like through Jesus preparing for his public ministry. Uh, but the second thing that God said to me is this, is that he's always been preparing me. He's always been preparing me. You know, we're always being prepared for the next thing. We're always being prepared uh, for what is coming next, for where God wants to lead us next, for what God wants to do in us and through us next. Every season is a season of preparation for the next thing. The times that things didn't quite work out exactly how you wanted them to, it's part of a season of preparation. The time, uh, the time that you didn't get the job is a, is a time of preparation. The time that the diagnosis came and it was absolutely horrible is a season of preparation. The season in your life that was just so dark, it was almost unbearable, is a season of preparation. Because God wants to use what the enemy intends for evil and he wants to use it for good. He wants to use it as part of your preparation. So we're always in a season of preparation. We might not know what we're being prepared for. It might not uh, fully make sense to us. But we're always being prepared for the next thing. And I think that was, that was, the, that was the takeaway this, uh, this, this week as I was preparing this message. I felt that God wanted to speak to his church about preparation, about preparing for what is next. And that's not just us as a church because we're becoming uh, a new church, because we're launching a new church. It's not just because of that. But it's because of individual, because we're all individuals on individual journeys and individual missions and, uh, and individual, uh, individual things that God is calling us to do. And they all look different for each of us. They all look so different for each of us. But regardless of where we are, regardless of what we're doing, we're always being prepared. And that's... That's what I felt God saying to me this week. Because I wanted something from God that was a bit different to what he gave to me. 
I wanted answers, you know, very clear, very, very uh, spelled out, you know. Lord, how do we prepare the church for the next thing? I was expecting three points. <clears throat> Bish, bash, bosh. But that's not what the Lord said. He said, I've always been preparing you. And you're always being prepared. And so what's our bit? What do we do? What's our takeaway? And back to Leviticus 26.10. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you have to move it out and make room for the new. We have to move out the old stuff in order to make room for what God wants to do in our lives. For what God wants to do next. That's on us. That's on us. We do it with, with the Lord's help. But it's on us. We have to move out the old so that we can make room for the new. Because he's so desperate to bless us. Why don't we stand as we finish this morning? Because I'm excited. I'm excited about what's coming. But you know what? I'm also excited about what's been. I'm also excited about where it is that we've been, what it is that we've done. And I wondered, I thought, I thought it might be good. I thought it might be good just to spend a little bit of time uh, now. Just in reflection to the Lord. Just in, in, in reflection of what it is that he's done. And perhaps you're able to identify different seasons in your life and you're able to attribute to those different seasons how that was preparing you for the next thing. How that was preparing you for the next thing. God, when you did this, I didn't understand it at the time, but now I can see why. Lord, when that season of my life was so unbelievably difficult and I wasn't sure if I could get through it, I now see why. Because what the enemy intended to use for evil, I can see that you use for good. But maybe there are seasons in your life, looking back, where you can't attribute how that worked in preparation. Maybe you've still got situations that are, that are in your past that are hanging over you and you're not quite sure because you can't yet see how God is going to use that to do something good. <laughs> is that true for anyone? Maybe that's the season you're in right now. And so, so perhaps we should pray. And we should, we should ask God for perseverance in that. You know, for perseverance in that. As we hold, as we hold these things, Lord, I still don't see this bit. I still don't see why I had to, uh, why I had to go through this. Or why you didn't just, just, just fix that when I prayed for it then. Lord, I still don't see what good you brought out of that situation. It doesn't seem like much good came out of that situation to me. Your Bible says, doesn't it? So what the enemy intended for evil, you will turn around for good. So when, when, when am I going to see that? That's where faith comes in. So 
why don't we ask the Lord now, Lord, these situations, these, these things, these things of our past, these things of our present, uh, that we're just not quite sure what it is, how it is, uh, that you're going to turn it around, that you're going to use it, that you're going to do something with it uh, that is going to be good, that is going to be good uh, for, uh, for, for the glory of you ultimately. I just don't see how, how, how you're going to use this, how you're going to do it, what you're going to do with it. I can't see. My, my perspective won't allow me to see. But Lord, this morning I give it to you. And I just trust. I just trust that you have it. I just trust that one day I will see. I will see how. I will see why. And I will see your goodness through this situation in some way. And Lord, as we, uh, as we, as we um, embark on this next part of our journey as this church into, uh, into assembled church, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to prepare for that? Would you help us to, uh, to, to, uh, to move out the old so that we can prepare for the new? Although the old was bad. The Bible doesn't say the old was bad. It still says we need to move on from it. And Lord, would you just help us? Would you be our strength? And power is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.